Welcome to Bancroft's Broadcasts, the school podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about the school and its community. This is the place to keep up to date and in touch with our school. So let's get into this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts. Antonia Fryer-Green is Director of Learning Strategy at Bancroft School. She's a specialist in supporting neurodiverse students. So that's children who may be on the autistic spectrum or have ADHD or dyslexia. We're meeting Antonia now to learn more about how Bancroft helps and supports students with particular learning needs. Hello there, Antonia. Hi, Clive. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us for this. It, it's a topic that I'm genuinely interested in because I think I've got a lot to learn on this one. So I'm really pleased you could join us to, to share some of your expertise. That's no problem at all. Brilliant. Now, am I right in thinking you are Director of Learning Strategy at Bancroft's? Yes. Yeah, that's my title. Now, tell us what that entails. So basically, it involves overseeing the provision for our neurodiverse students. So I work really closely with the students, with teachers, with parents and with heads of department. Um, So really just to ensure that all of our children are achieving their learning potential. Right. Now, let's dive straight into this this, this word, because neurodiverse, you mentioned, you referred to our neurodiverse students. Yeah. Tell us what that means. Break that down for us. So neurodiversity basically describes the idea that people experience and uh, interact with the world around them in lots of different ways. So there's no one right way of thinking or learning or behaving. And the key point is that we don't view differences as deficits. Uh, They're just different characteristics. So, I mean, the word neurodiversity is often used in the context of children with autistic spectrum conditions, uh, dyspraxia, dyslexia, Tourette's syndrome, ADHD, (laughs) alongside lots of other conditions. Right. So quite a broad spread of, uh, of ideas there. Some of them we may have heard of, some we might be unfamiliar with, but from your perspective that they all fall beneath a, a similar banner that you think of as, as neurodiversity. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of difference do these particular situations, these particular conditions make to people's learning experience at school? So there are lots of different ways that neurodiversity can affect someone's learning, but but generally speaking, it can prevent a student from achieving their social and academic potential if they don't get the right support. So there are certainly lots of students that struggle with executive functioning, um, and, and that's a set of skills uh, which sort of underlie the ability to plan, to meet goals and display self-control. Uh, it might uh, cause problems with following uh, multi-step uh, instructions. It can also affect the ability to focus. And, and for some of these children uh, in their early lives, they've been labelled as lazy or disorganised or even naughty. And, and that has a really detrimental effect on their self-esteem and, and therefore their motivation. So of I think the, the important thing is that, that we recognise that it's not the student's fault. Um, and it's really important uh, and something that we really focus on at Bancroft's. So um, because we understand that neurodiversity is a a combination of of traits that can be seen as both strengths and challenges, we're really keen to embrace those strengths and and to help our students utilise them. You mentioned um, the effect that neurodiversity could have on someone's academic experience, but you also mentioned a social perspective to it. Can you tell me what you meant by that? Yeah, we have a a lot of students here who are um, on the autistic spectrum 
Um, and in terms of developing social relationships, uh, that can cause some uh, difficulties. And similarly, other children with neurodiversity uh, may have high levels of anxiety. Um, some students with uh, ADHD may struggle to interpret some of the, the more subtle uh, social cues. So yeah, neurodiversity uh, obviously affects learning um, and it can also affect the social side. Of course, yeah, the way you explain it, I can see what you mean. Now, now tell us then about how Bancroft's approaches this idea of neurodiversity. You've painted a, a useful picture there of, of the potential challenges or, or, or the potential risks of overlooking the needs of these particular students. How do you actually help these students to have a, an experience at school which, which they deserve? Well, as I said before, one of the things that we're really keen to do is to understand and recognise uh, students' strengths. Mm. So, I mean, you know, for example, our students who are on the autistic spectrum um, often have a, an ability to really think outside the box and generate novel solutions to problems. And they're often very good at absorbing and retaining large amounts of information. Okay. And actually uh, are often very punctual and honest and loyal and fair. Students with dyslexia may have particular strengths in terms of good spatial knowledge and they may have a particular mechanical aptitude and they're often really entrepreneurial. So the likes of Richard Branson, uh, Jamie Oliver, uh, Steven Spielberg, Jennifer Aniston, Paloma Faith, uh, they're all people that have been hugely successful uh, and are all dyslexic. In fact, 50% uh, of NASA employers are dyslexic. Well, so, oh uh, yeah, what we like to do, and, and actually ADHD is something that I really wanted to mention because I think ADHD okay. comes with a sort of reputation of children who are very disruptive. So that's attention, help me out with this. Yeah, so. attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Right. But actually what we find, obviously, you know, uh, it can affect uh, focus. But often students with ADHD demonstrate higher levels of creativity and curiosity. Um, and they're really often great leaders. And they show really sort of high levels of energy and spontaneity and productivity. So they can be really good role models. So um, in terms of ensuring that, that we can include all of our students, um, I think first and foremost, aside from embracing their, their strengths, I think successful transition is the key because um, I think for you know any child leaving primary school and starting secondary school is an enormous challenge. Of course, the buildings are bigger, the children are bigger, and and the speed at which a child has to gain independence is really rapid. So um, transition can be really worrying for children, but also for parents. So at Bancross, we we work quite hard to make sure that that phase is as smooth as possible. And that might include lots of conversations with parents in previous schools. Um, and sometimes we visit primary schools um, before the students start here so mm. that we can uh, get to know them. And then we create sort of opportunities for the students to come to Bancroft before they start so that they can get to know the building, sure. get to know the teachers. You mentioned there, obviously, that, that the idea that transitioning from primary school to secondary school can be yeah, a big deal for, for all children. Is that an experience, a transition? that a lot of the, the neurodiverse students maybe would find particularly challenging and, and, and harder to handle? Yeah, absolutely. I thought a lot of our, our children, familiarity is a security blanket. So when you change something so significant, um, it can cause huge levels of anxiety. And a lot of our neurodiverse students rely on routine. 
So when that routine is disrupted or a new routine is brought in, it can be really difficult for neurodiverse children to... So yeah, for, for us, making sure that we are able to alleviate anxiety as much as possible is really key. So we try to help them to understand what the new routine will be. There's lots of support on offer in terms of um, guiding students through the new routines. So a bit of thinking ahead, planning ahead... Yeah sort of absence of surprises and shocks because people know what's expected. They're, they're guided through the, the, that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. And I think, I mean, I've mentioned obviously the transition. The other key um, is that when students are already at Bancroft's or when they start, uh, we do try to ensure that they receive the most appropriate level of support for them. So all of our students are taught in the classroom with their peers, but um, for some students, reducing a timetable or implementing some adjustments might be necessary. Uh, so that might be exam arrangements, like uh, extra time, rest breaks, use of a word processor. Um, and we also offer a lot of individual and group support sessions. Um, so our learning support is very much a, an extension of the classroom. I see. So if my child is neurodiverse, they will be in the same class as their peers and their friends, but then there might be perhaps additional support, additional sessions, additional time that's provided to help them and guide them. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that takes an array of different forms. Uh, so we might support in class. We might offer one-to-one -one or, or group sessions. And we actually do a lot of... Um, sort of social sessions and that might not just be for our neurodiverse students what we tend to do is is to combine uh, those that might be struggling socially with those that are actually very able socially okay and uh yeah we 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 run group sessions where we play games and it's a very sort of low pressure environment so that they can establish new friendships right so this is to help maybe with some of those issues you mentioned a little earlier that establishing friendships and understanding social cues and, and, and the way we all interact together socially that some people take too easily, some find more challenging, it's to it's to help with, with those sorts of skills, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Right, I see. And then you've mentioned quite a breadth of different ideas and, and conditions here. You've mentioned ADHD and, and dyslexia and, and, and spectrum ideas. Do these require different approaches? How, how diverse are the approaches you need to take? in order to deal with various different needs? There are lots of different approaches. I think the key for us is that as, as teachers, we're all uh, experienced in terms of understanding what neurodiversity is and hopefully the best ways to teach. So um, we do try to adapt our teaching to suit the needs of our children. I think the real, really key part about Bancroft is that we maintain very high expectations for all of our students. Um, so rather than labelling our neurodiverse children or lowering our expectations, what we do is we, is we try to understand their learning styles and we try to empower them so that okay. they have the, the confidence in their own ability. Um, and we found that the more children uh, are boosted, the more progress that they make. So um, that's sort of in line with uh, something that, that we call metacognition. Right. And uh, metacognition basically is, is helping children to understand how they learn best. So it's learning to learn. So 
yeah whilst we are adapting our teaching methods to to suit the children uh, we're also really keen to urge our children to identify what works for them so that then they're able to take um, uh, responsibility for their own learning outside of the classroom but it's really just a key skill that they can then take on if they do go to university or into the workplace. Could you give us an example of that, the sort of way a student might identify something that works for them? Yeah, so we do a lot of uh, feedback and reflection in terms of, you know, when a, when a student might have uh, submitted a piece of homework. The feedback will very much be promoting a sense of which aspects of that essay that the, the child may have found difficult, which they might have found more easy and also reflecting on the types of tools uh, they're implementing. So it may be that, you know, one student is struggling with expressing themselves, but through reflection and, and feedback, it's very evident that they haven't actually planned it. Right. So that would be then something we would focus on in terms of helping a student learn how to plan. It may be that, that for another student, they use a very different approach um, so it's really just finding out what works best. And that, you know, ties in with revision as well. There are multiple different ways of revising, um, but allowing a child to recognise what style works for them. You've got me thinking here. Some of these ideas you, you've just brought up in terms of reflection and feedback and students working out what works well for them, they sound to me like useful ideas that apply to all students, not necessarily those who are identified as neurodiverse. Do you think the approaches that you take as a as a specialist in this, do you think there's a relationship between those and, and something that all educators c can learn from? Yeah, absolutely. And, and at Bancroft's, uh, we've got a team of people that work together. So we have our head of teaching and learning. Uh, we have our uh, head of uh, academics and we have heads of lower, middle and upper school. So we all work together alongside teachers to really make sure that, um, you know, if we were talking about metacognition, that very much is something that all of our students are urged to learn about and implement. Um, so, yeah, it, it's very much, you know, goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Now, I have a question for you. I imagine some parents and some students will uh, arrive at the school, arrive at Bancroft's with a, a full awareness of, of maybe what their needs are. They may know a particular condition that they deal with. Is it the case, though, that for some of those students, they may not fully understand um, the situation they're in? Uh, and is it your role as a, as a teacher, as an educator, to actually help identify some of these situations? Um, tell me a, a bit about how that side of it works. Yeah, I mean, as you said, a lot of students will come to us um, and already have been identified as neurodiverse by their primary schools. Um, and actually, that's really useful because it means that we can uh, provide the appropriate access arrangements if they're taking the 7 plus or 11 plus exam. But it is actually also really evident that um, some traits of neurodiversity uh, become more apparent as students get older. Uh, and when they start to face more challenging situations. Oh, I see. Right. So primary school may have been a, a breeze for someone, but it could be as they start to encounter secondary school and the different sorts of tasks and different sorts of learning, 
that things become different for them. Yeah, exactly. So we have various methods at uh, Bancroft's uh, to ensure that that traits are identified as soon as possible so that we can um, implement early intervention. So we do use uh, an array of screening assessments. So we screen all of our year sevens when they arrive and we use a, a reading and a spelling test, but that's alongside a computerized test called MIGIS. Okay. And uh, it's a, a test that's used uh, quite widely in the UK by schools. Mm. And, and what it does is it uh, sort of enables us to ascertain a, a student's potential for learning. But what it's also really good at is highlighting any discrepancies in skills. So if there are discrepancies, that might suggest a specific learning difference, such as dyslexia or dyspraxia. So you're saying that a student might excel at a particular skill but maybe struggle with something else or, or vice versa. And that helps yeah. you work out not just that they need some support, but steers you towards an understanding of exactly what the condition may be and exactly what support might be useful. Yes, exactly. And I mean, you know, there is a real place for those sort of tests to, to provide data. But actually, the way our school works is that um, we have a, a house system, we have tutors, mm. we've obviously got all of our teachers. And because we all understand what neurodiversity is. It means that teachers are able to recognise very quickly when students may have an unusual profile or may fit, you know, a, a certain profile that that might be in line with uh, a neurodiverse condition. Mm. Um, and we have a lot of training, um, and so there's there's a lot of support on offer also from the learning support department in terms of advice um, for, for teachers and students. But actually what's what's most interesting is because I think we embrace neurodiversity and, and we openly discuss it, we have a lot of self-referrals. Self-referrals? Yeah, so a lot of our children will just knock on the learning support door and say, can I have a chat? Yeah. And, uh, you know, are able to highlight some areas that they might struggle with, but other areas that are real strengths. So um, yeah, they'll they'll request um, some support, and that often comes in the form of uh, an early screening test, um, and that may then lead on uh, to a more diagnostic assessment. So we have um, links with a lot of uh, professionals outside of school that are able to diagnose some of the conditions like. Uh, Tourette's syndrome or ADHD or autism. Gosh, so you've got access to quite a lot of specialist expertise then, to, as you mentioned earlier, to really ensure that the approach you take for each child is tailored to exactly what they need. Yeah, that's right. It sounds to me like the approach that's taken has changed quite a lot, maybe since the school days that a lot of us remember, when these sorts of ideas seem to be treated incredibly differently. Is that a fair assumption? Have things changed a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're better at recognising what neurodiversity is, and we're better at understanding how we can support children. I think when I started in uh, special educational needs uh, many, many years ago, it very much was a case of a child would be withdrawn from class and perhaps given some one-to-one. -one. What we've moved towards and what I think, you know, Bancroft is very good at is, is we take very much a sort of whole school approach in terms of every part of a child's learning is part of the picture. Right. And therefore, we're, we're very careful to make sure that we're generalising 
everything that we're doing. So generalizing in what sense? It's important, you know, that that we have a cohesive approach. Uh, so there's a lot of teamwork involved, and then that includes the student um, themselves because they are very much involved in their own education. Right. And also parents. Now you mentioned just then when you started working in this particular field uh, and, and used that as a as a reference to how things have changed. How long have you been working in this particular <laughs> field of education? Well, interestingly, I actually trained as a speech and language therapist. Oh, okay. So uh, my first 10 years of work was as a speech and language therapist working for the NHS. Uh, and through that, I um, started to work in schools. So mm-hmm. I specialised in dyslexia and then sort of transferred from speech and language therapy into education. Um, so I think I've probably been doing it for about 25 years. And are you are you a teacher in, in the, the sense that your colleagues are or do you, do you focus more as a specialist from a the healthcare background that you have? I think initially um, it was probably my healthcare background that I utilised, but actually I've done multiple qualifications in, in teaching well as I've gone through my career. So yeah, now I think it's probably a, a combination of the two. I think it's mm. it's I find it very useful having a clinical background, um, but I'm now quite experienced in terms of having been in an education setting for the last 25 years. So for teachers who may be listening to this and, and respecting what you said earlier about the fact that I- integration is very much the way these days, rather than separating students out, what would your advice be to other teachers who maybe have neurodiverse students within their classes, within their work? What's the key to teaching successfully in a way that suits everyone? Well, I think as a teacher, I, I think the key is to really get to know your student and, and to really talk to your student about what they feel would be beneficial for them, what works for them. I think it's really important and something that we really focus on here is is providing a sort of psychologically safe environment in the classroom so that students don't worry about making mistakes or asking for help. And and I think the, the foundation for that really is positive relationships with other students in the classroom. So right. everybody feels motivated to contribute. I think when I first started uh, in this area, there was a stigma attached to neurodiversity. And I think that stigma has disappeared. I think, you know, if I was advising teachers, I think when you're aware of, of some of the difficulties that students have, then you can make adjustments you know, sometimes neurodiverse students do find it difficult to verbalise um, their opinions and their thoughts effectively. So one of the things we do here is that that we provide alternative ways of communicating their learning. So rather than speaking out in front of the class, it may be uh, that they speak to a peer or uh, they may write it down or have a one-to-one with with the teacher. And, and what that leads to is a, a student feeling comfortable and confident and then in turn that leads to success. So I think for me, the key as a teacher is to make sure that A, students feel comfortable and safe uh, in their learning environment, and B, that not only does the teacher know about them, but the student themselves understands their needs. Right, of course. So setting an environment in which people feel comfortable and getting to know people and 
being a bit innovative, perhaps, in working out the best thing to suit each particular child. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what, Antonia, so much of what you've brilliantly described for us here, it just makes me think surely a lot of these practices are beneficial for every school for every child. It sounds like these ideas that you're focusing on and the ideas that really help the, the, the students you, you deal with, they sound like something we can all learn from uh, and all teachers and, and all students. Yeah, I think over the last sort of 15 years, there's been a real movement towards um, inclusion. I think as educators uh, across the country, uh, we've all got better at it. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that's really clear in terms of the type of students uh, that are in mainstream schools now, because I think, you know, 15 years ago, when I was a speech and language therapist, a lot of students were in special schools, um, regardless of their academic ability. So I think that's the progress that we've made is that we are able in a, in a, a mainstream school or a, a school like Bancroft's, um, that we are able to um, really give students and neurodiverse students the best education. And what do the students of Bancroft themselves think of this? What do they tell you about the, the way you approach this sort of uh, situation and the environment you provide? Well, we do a lot of, we, we call it student voice, so it, it tends to be gaining feedback from from the students themselves. And we've had really positive response. I think the fact that students are self-referring and students are banging down the door asking for support is a real sign of, of how much they value it. And, and as I said before, you know, we talk very openly here about uh, different strengths and weaknesses and whether that's students with neurodiversity or whether that's, uh, you know, other students, we do talk uh, about ourselves. We, 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 you know, try to use reflection a lot because we feel that's a, a really good way to achieve your potential. Wonderful. So, Antonia, as students pass through their years at school, of course, um, exams feature towards the end of people's school time. And that's a pressure that I think most students feel, um, the pressure to do well, the, the pressure to achieve at that point. What's that like from the point of view of neurodiverse students? Yeah, exams can cause a lot of stress for all the students and particularly neurodiverse students. And one of the things that we do do is to um, work with our students and, and try and support them in terms of reducing that anxiety. So providing strategies, lots of practice. A lot of our neurodiverse students will have access arrangements like their own room, um, which can help prevent them from being distracted. Um, and as I said, extra time and so on. But I think people often have a tendency to measure success by exam results which of course at Bancroft's, our students do do really well. But for me, you know, school is not all about exams and it's actually about learning life skills and being prepared for adulthood, which includes the social skills and the communication skills. And, um, you know, the strategies to tackle challenging situations. So, uh, you know, at Bancroft's, we encourage all of our students to aim really high and we hopefully do give them the courage and belief that they can succeed in whatever they want to do. So being neurodiverse doesn't stand in the way of our pupils uh, achieving their ambitions. And, and I think that's the important thing. So when a child leaves Bancroft, they are equipped not only with exam results that are as best as they can achieve, but also with a set of skills that set them up to keep on learning, uh, keep on enjoying life, keep on socialising and keep on making the best of, of, of their life as they carry on after school. Yeah. And I think if we've 
achieved that, then we've done a good job. Very much sounds like it. Absolutely. Thanks for explaining that. Antonia, thank you. You have taught me in such a short time so much about the way that neurodiversity is handled in schools these days. I didn't realise how much things had changed and how individualised and really very caring it sounds. Um, you've really painted a, a picture of a, a caring environment here where, where everyone's needs are, are really looked after and really respected. Oh, good. <laughs> thank you for joining us. It's been brilliant. That's okay. Thank you. That was Antonia Fryer-Green. As Director of Learning Strategy, she explained Bancroft's approach to neurodiversity. Antonia told us how each child's needs are identified and provided and how this caring, individualised approach equips all Bancroft students for a life of learning and confidence.